Amen. So our uh, scripture for this morning comes from John. We'll be reading uh, verse 13, uh, chapter 13, verse uh, 14. Now that I, that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. Amen. God is good all the time. Oh my goodness. God is good all the time. Amen. Amen. Uh, uh, I think t today, the reason why churches do fall kickoff is one, I think we're centered around NFL football, right? No. <laughs> fall kickoff. No, just kidding. We're centered around. A lot of times, the r normal rhythms of families and kids, which is school, um, school getting started, school um, beginning, and kids getting ready for uh, the first day of school, and parents and families, you know, gearing up for new rhythms, waking up earlier, you know, fighting with our kids to get their shoes on and out the door, all of those things. Um, and also, maybe. If you are not a parent, if you're single or empty nester, um, work, you know, there's different rhythms that happen, um, but fall may be a time that you are kicking off. My favorite teacher growing up in elementary school was at Canyon Creek Elementary in Texas, first grade teacher, Mrs. Hicks. And I, at first I didn't like her, you know, when everyone went, drove their bikes, rode their bikes up to the, the doors of the school to see what teachers they had the following year, I would do, I'd always go early and kind of wait for that, the anticipation of what teacher I had. Um, I had Mrs. Hicks and the, the, the word out on her is like she was the strictest, meanest first grade teacher ever. And, um, but after that class, I realized that she was, you know, and looking back, she was my favorite teacher because she was so strict and kind of rose uh, the bar in terms of academic vigor, like laid that foundation. For her, it was like, you know, reading, you know, working at reading more and more books. And so um, I really appreciated that and that set a good foundation. And as we are talking about foot washing and starting a new series on one anothering, um, I'd like to lift up our teachers, um, the teachers that are in our lives, the teachers that are in our children's lives, the teachers that have been in our lives, because they create spaces of hospitality to serve our children and serve, and serve us. Um, and so um, that is an act of servanthood. It's an act of washing um, people's feet and uh, I'm, we are in the Seattle School District, um, and so we haven't started school yet, <laughs> which is exciting. But I will wait a month if it means that the teachers get what they want and deserve. And so um, just want to lift that up in and, and our prayers. Um, but like I said, we are starting a new series in the fall here called One Anothering. Christ's counter community, which is the church, his body. And there are a hundred times that one another is used in the New Testament. And it's usually 
written for or said to as instructions to Christ followers, Christ community, love one another, serve one another, wash one another's feet a hundred times. And so there must be something really important. There must be something unique about one anothering um, that's different um, from the world we live in, the culture we live in, that sets the church community apart um, from other communities. And so we thought we'd take a look at some of those um, this fall and talk about what it means to be community, right? Not just a church is not just a building or a place that we meet in or a time on Sunday where we listen to music and listen to a speaker, but church is community. Is like We like to say at Renew, church is family. We are family here in this place. And it's interesting to note that when scripture talks about one another, like loving one another, it's talking about, or Jesus is talking about, or Paul is talking about the community of faith loving one another within the church internally, right? And, you know, you may have heard like the missional church or being the missional church, meaning the church going outside the walls. And, you know, Renew is in on that. We love that. It's like, oh, we are the missional church. It's a church beyond walls. We aren't just a building. We're the church out there. But in order to really reach um, the people around us or to be a light or to be salt um, among our communities, among our neighbors, I think it's important to know how to love each other, right? <laughs> like if we can't love each other internally, if we can't one another one another, then what's the point? And in the ways that we love each other in the church is a witness to people who look at us and are like, what are they doing, right? I really love that place, or I really see love in that place, that I really experience a welcome or hospitality that I don't experience anywhere else, and I want what they're having, right? And that's what it means to be a church that one is one anothering, amen? So we're looking at a very simple, short passage where Jesus is saying, wash one another's feet. And it's interesting because this comes in John chapter 13 um, on the night that Jesus was betrayed by Judas right before his crucifixion um, and is parallel in time to um, the others, the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, who share the, where the last supper is shared, right? And that's where we get our model of communion or the Eucharist because Jesus broke bread, Jesus shared wine with his disciples, gave instructions to the disciples and said, hey, let this be a model to you. Like, continue to do this as a family. Break bread, you know, drink the wine. This is my blood. This is my covenant with you. Continue to eat together like this. And so, as a church, for us, every third Sunday, we practice the Eucharist in kind of solidarity with what Jesus command to do so. But John, interesting enough, doesn't have communion. Like instead, on the night that he was betrayed, instead of taking bread and breaking and saying, this is my body broken for you, Jesus takes off his outer robe, wraps a towel around his waist, 
and kneels down and washes each of his disciples' feet at the dinner table. And so John is unique um, in this sense. And I wonder, and he says, every time, do as I'm doing. And if you do this, you will be blessed. And I think there are churches, uh, we had a Seventh-day Adventist church that used to meet here on Saturdays, and on Easter they would do a foot washing, right? That would be their Easter service. So there are churches that practice, quite literally, Jesus' command to model after him and wash one another's feet. Uh, in the churches I've grown up in and in this church, we do the Eucharist, we uh, do um, communion. Um, but I, I was thinking about this, and we've been thinking about this in terms of worship. What would it look like if we did, like, really do what the early church did, right? The early church did literally sit at the communal table and eat with one another in their household churches, and people washed one another's feet. Right? And it's like, we better start washing our feet before we come to church if we're going to be washing our feet and eating together, right? Um, but what if we, you know, took this as seriously as we did, you know, taking the Eucharist, you know, taking communion together? Um, so in high school, I got the habit of wearing my athletic shoes and other shoes without socks. And if you notice, I still do that. I don't wear socks with my shoes, right? And you, many of you could be like, that's really dangerous, right? Because what do socks do? They absorb the sweat from your feet so that the sweat doesn't go into your shoes. And if, you keep, if your shoes keep absorbing sweat, what happens? They start stinking and they smell. And, but in high school, uh, I wrestled, and I didn't like the feel of socks it just in the wrestling shoes that are tight-fitting, you know, and they, you know, kind of low-profile. They, they were stuffy to my feet, so I just wrestled without um, socks in my wrestling shoes. And then I started doing in track, because in track, when you're sprinters, you have those sprinter spikes, right? You wear spikes, and they're low-profile once again, and I love... I hated socks because I couldn't feel the texture of the ground when I was running. I wanted to feel light. I wanted to feel fast. I wanted to feel quick. I wanted to, you know, sprint, so I didn't wear socks. Then I, you know, in football, I was like, I might as well not wear socks with my football cleats. And so now as I play Ultimate Frisbee in my cleats, I never wear cleats. And so when people see me putting on my cleats without socks, they're like, how do you do that? Doesn't it hurt? Don't your shoes stink? Um, I'm like, no, my, I've got lots of calluses on my feet, and I've got an array of processes to ensure that my shoes don't stink, right? <laughs> I freeze them. I put them in the wash. I put disinfectant. I, if I'm in a hurry, I rub, you know, Purell on my hands and I put them inside my shoes, right? These are all nice, nice things, right? Now I have all kinds of inserts, right? Charcoal shoe inserts. I have those cedar, like, inserts. Um, but sometimes I just, you know, like with my cleats, I just set them outside and just let them smell, right? But, you know, 
I remember one time where, you know, there are times when it's culturally uncouth and you're caught by surprise, right? So I remember one time going with a group of, you know, peers and colleagues in seminary um, to a Korean restaurant, right? And this wasn't an ordinary Korean restaurant. It was one of those Korean restaurants with the separate rooms, right? The rice paper doors, sliding doors that you open up and the low tables and no chairs. You just sit on pads in, in the restaurant. And guess what? In order to go into those rooms, you have to t take off your shoes. So when we came to this restaurant, to my horror, to my horror, they're like, oh, there's a room available. Let's go sit in one of these rooms. And inside I was like, no, because I was wearing my kind of ratty running shoes and I had no socks on, I hadn't clicked my toenails, and I hadn't washed my feet for a while. So I was like, oh my gosh, how can I get out of this situation, right? So embarrassing, like what odors are gonna waft up, right? As I take these shoes off and I could feel my feet were already sweating and they were feeling really, really warm. Right? If I take this shoe off, like if I took this shoe off right now, you might catch a whiff, right, of something. So I was like, oh, I can't do this. All of a sudden, I felt very self-conscious, right? And I think most of us feel this way about our feet, right? That's why we have our armor. We have our socks and our shoes, and we don't want to take them off. Unless you're, you know, Asian, you grew up taking your shoes off, uh, walking into your home. Maybe many of us do that now, you know, like we don't want mud or dirt in our homes, we take off our shoes. So we've learned to one, not have holy socks, two, have clean socks when visiting other people's homes. Um, but so the whole time I felt self-conscious eating there and I could smell my own feet, right? And I was hiding them, putting them under my, and so finally I couldn't take it anymore, so I went to the bathroom and I did the, <laughs> the foot wash in the sink. I lifted my feet up in the sink. It's okay to laugh, people. <laughs> lifted my feet up into the sink and started scrubbing and washing them. And then it just smelled like smelly feet and soap, right? Just the soap was just barely like covering the odor. Um, but yeah, it's a very self-conscious thing. And so you can imagine if I were to today, this morning, right now, oh, as an application of today's passage and sermon, we're going to wash one another's feet. Some of you are going to be like, oh, no, right? Right? You should have warned us. You should have told us. You should have put a, you know, ad up there saying, today, we're going to be doing feet, foot washing so you could get your pedicure. Everyone would have nice, like, nail polish and clean feet. We're very self-conscious. We're very self-conscious, and it's a vulnerable Thing. And I think that's what Peter was feeling when earlier in the passage, he's like, Jesus, no, you won't wash my feet. Right? One, because the duty or the obligation of washing other people's feet at the dinner table, at the guests in your home, was for the servants, was for someone who was subservient and lower um, than everyone. So Peter, feeling that, oh, this is my rabbi, this is my master, this is my teacher, this is 
the king, right, the Messiah is going to wash my feet. So he's like, no. And what does Jesus say? Jesus says, then you'll have no part of me. Peter being like the drama king and being like an extremist, like vacillating from side to side, goes from, no, you won't wash my feet, to Jesus, when Jesus said, well, you have nothing to do with me, he's like, then wash all of me, <laughs> right? He takes off all, everything and says, wash all of me. And Jesus is like, whoa, 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 settle down, relax, <laughs> right? Like, and he makes the spiritual analogy or kind of a faith analogy saying, you don't, because you're already cleansed, right? You, you're already with me. You're already cleansed by me. Your whole body doesn't need to be clean, just parts of you. And so a lot of people talk about the idea, the idea of justification and sanctification, right? When Jesus cleanses you, you're already cleaned, like for, the, for eternity, right? Jesus has completely saved and cleansed you by a sacrifice. But on a daily basis, as we're walking the dusty trails of life, we may hit pitfalls. We may make mistakes. We may make you know, go down the wrong paths. We may step in dirty things, and we need to be cleansed or justified. And so also there's that piece of the faith journey and a spiritual analogy of justification, sanctification, or you are saved by grace, but you're being cleansed daily by Jesus. And so Jesus is making this point. But the other thing that Jesus is making an object lesson of is, I mean, earlier the disciples have been arguing, right? What were they arguing about? Who is the greatest disciple? I'm greater, I'm greater, I'm greater. <laughs> Peter's like, clearly I'm the greatest. And, and the other disciples were like, no, he said, get behind me, Satan, to you. <laughs> like, you're the one that sticks his foot in his mouth the most often. And so they're arguing about this. And Jesus instead takes the role of the servant, kneels down, and washes everyone's feet. He takes the outer cloak off. That'd be like taking his shirt off and to reveal his undershirt. He just was in his undershirt, and he wrapped a towel around his waist and washed his disciples' feet. What an example, right? What an act. How amazing a model of humility and servanthood in the midst of this conflict and tension about jockeying for position, about who's greater, who's more. Jesus says, shut up, shut up, shut up. Let me show you. And then afterwards, he makes those comments about no master is greater than his servant, right? Just like no messenger is greater than the one who sent him. Um, Jesus is establishing, I think, an egalitarian culture, right? In this world, in this Greco-Roman world, in this Roman world where there's hierarchy, right? And certain people are ahead on top of the household and you go down and down and down and down until you get to the children and the servants. Jesus is saying, no one is greater than the other. In fact, I will, who you consider the top, the head of this band of misfits, I will serve you by washing your feet. 
So he turns everything upside down and, right, flattens, flattens things out. And we need to learn, I think, as a body about how Jesus deals with power, right? I think the world needs to learn how to deal with the power and take the model of Jesus, right? And you know the Philippians passage, who took on human form, even though he could be considered was God, decided to take on human form and come down to our level. Jesus goes down even lower than his disciples, even as they're self-conscious, even as they're refusing, like saying, Jesus, no, you're supposed to be out there. It's exactly opposite of what we want. We want you to go and fight and take, right, take the power and the position that you deserve, that you can take. We've seen your power. Let's go kick some butt. (laughs) And instead, this is the model that Jesus takes. I was thinking about this. Jesus says, wash just as I have washed your feet, wash one another's feet. That the call is for us to practice the same thing as he was practicing with one another. So if we take this, the kind of spiritual analogy, uh, analogy of faith, the faith life of we're saved, but we're to cleanse, we're to daily cleanse ourselves of, you know, of our sin, of our mistakes. What then does it mean when Jesus says, wash one another's feet? That in itself is pretty radical, right? We tend to take our faith as a personal faith, right? We repent and confess before Jesus and pray on our own. We have our own quiet times. We have, you know, the things, the deep, dark secrets and corners in our hearts, and we bring those to God, but we're less likely to say, oh, this is a communal, like my, my cleansing, right? My discipleship is a communal event, right? But Jesus is saying, wash one another's feet, meaning take part in one another's cleansing. Take part in one another's forgiveness. Take part in one another's walk in faith. Right? What does that mean? To confess to one another? To listen to one another? To extend grace? To be the face of God's grace to one another? Right? To be a part of the cleansing and the forgiveness on a daily basis in the church body. Isn't that amazing? Wash one another's feet. And I think that's the radical community. Like, Let's get involved in one another's lives. You can't wash people's feet until they take off their shoes and you take off your shoes, right? So what does it look like to take off our shoes in front of one another? I can tell you what it smells like for me to do that, right? What does it look like? And then to the actual physical and cultural aspect of foot washing, Obviously, that's not a part of what we do culturally now. I mean, just maybe in a, you know, a special service, but not on a regular basis do we, as Americans, wash one another's feet before we eat, 
a meal. And just to give us some context, foot washing is a big part of the culture in the Old Testament, the New Testament, church community, and also the Greco-Roman society as a whole. In the Old Testament, foot washing was connected to cultic rites, right? So the priests were, before going into the tabernacle, into the temple, they were to wash their hands and wash their feet because they're stepping into holy ground and it represented a cleansing, right, from their journey outside, going into the Holy of Holies to cleanse themselves. During the Day of Atonement, the priest was to wash their feet and wash their hands. Um, likewise, if you remember Abraham, um, Abraham under the Oaks of Mamre, Genesis maybe 18 or so, right, with the, the messenger from God, the apparition, he was like, come, come and eat and let me wash your feet. And he washes the feet of this messenger and Abraham becomes the model of hospitality, right? And hospitality is a big deal in the Old Testament. If you go back, there's a lot about hospitality where the people, people were instructed and even expected to receive strangers, complete strangers. You wouldn't have a stranger walking near your home without inviting them in to eat. And part of that, a stranger coming into your home was washing their feet. If not you, then your servant in your household would be washing their feet. So it's also a symbol of hospitality. To the New, on to the New Testament, actually on top of the church following the communal meals, the Eucharist, actually having meals together in homes, they also practiced washing one another's feet uh, because of what Jesus said. And I don't know what, what happened, um, but that was a part of the early church culture. In, Greco -Roman, in the Greco-Roman culture, it was the same thing, right? It was a part of being hospitable to wash your guests' feet as they come um, into your home. And it was a part of cleansing, right? Both hygiene, physical cleansing, hygiene, because People wore sandals, walked dusty roads, and so feet would get really, really dirty, washing their feet um, for personal hygiene, but also a symbol of cleansing, right? Coming in and cleansing the things in our life that need to be cleansed. If you remember the woman who anoints Jesus' head with oil, right? What does he say um, to his, to his uh, host? This, when I came here to your home, you did not even wash my feet. But this woman came and anointed my head with oil. And he elevates her because of what she did, her act of hospitality, her act of love and sacrifice. So foot washing is something that was expected and it's an everyday part of the culture. It's not an everyday part of our culture. <laughs> part of me is like, thank God. Um, and I think there's more for us to gain from this passage than just maybe some service sometime later we'll have actual foot washing. Although those can be powerful, 
right? Um, I think we are to glean something much more universal or much more poignant for our purposes. Um, what does it mean to be hospitable with our neighbors, right? Especially now in the time of COVID where we're so worried or, I mean, we've been cautious about germs. We've been cautious about being in one another's presence or being in one another's homes, right? It's for a while, you know, it took a while for us to open up our homes to people outside of our immediate family. And maybe some of you have just started to welcome people in. Maybe some of you are still not able to see your parents or, you know, your, your relatives because, uh, because of safety reasons. But as our homes begin to open up, as we begin to eat together, um, as our church begins to open up with children's ministry, families with younger kids are feeling more comfortable coming, schools are opening up um, to in-person, 100% uh, in-person. Um, as things are opening up, what does it mean to create spaces of hospitality and welcome to one another again? What does it mean in those spaces to serve one another again? I know for me, COVID has meant a, re a retreat, right? And then awareness of, man, I have compassion fatigue. I have service fatigue. I'm just trying to like hold on to my family and keep us healthy and, you know, watch my kids and like raise them up and educate them at the same time. I don't have bandwidth, right? I don't have anything to give. What does it mean to one another, right? Wash one another's feet in this context, right? Whether that's invite your neighbors to your home to eat, be a part, being a part of facilitating a block party on your, in your neighborhood. For me, um, my son um, has played select soccer for many, many years. And it's, for me, it's, you know, getting involved with the team. I'm the treasurer. Why am I always treasurer in every organization? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> anyways. But for me, it's meant, you know, a lot of parents do ride shares. And I'm like, hey, like, I'll take people down to the game. Um, even though selfishly, I'm like, if there's a Sunday game, I want to be able to send Isaiah like, with other families. So the Saturday games, I'm like, I'll take everyone. Um, but yeah, opening up our car, you know, and giving people rides. What does it look like to connect? Um, a lot of times, and I know a lot of pastors or sermons will gear themselves towards let's wash one another's feet in the church, you know, be a part of children's ministry or do hospitality in the church or, you know, like as if church is the only place we can serve people and serve one another, right? Like this is the, you're, the end all of your righteousness is what you do for church. And I think, no, I mean, that's my call. My call as a pastor is to shepherd 
people in the church, that I'm in the church, to live out my call and faithfulness is in the church and with my neighbors. But what does it look like for you in the marketplace, in your places of employment, in your schools, in your neighborhood groups? What does it mean for you to one another people, to serve one another? Right? All it takes, especially in, Seattle, in the Seattle, greater Seattle area, where you talk about Seattle freeze, another way to look at washing one another's feet and hospitality is, what can I do to break the ice and create community and laughter and connection in this place? It just takes one person willing to serve, willing to humble themselves, or even look stupid right? Take rejection. Like, hey, let's hang out. Let's hang out, everybody. And everyone's like, uh, no. <laughs> and you're like, rejection. Who cares? How much was Jesus rejected? Right? So if it takes being, if we're going to be rejected, that's a small price to pay. Right? To follow the model of Jesus and be rejected every day. Every day. Yeah, I want to be your friend. Yeah, I need friends. Yeah, I'm lonely. I need community. Yeah. Will you, hey, let's go out. Let's go out. Let's go out. No, no, no. Just keep coming. Just keep coming. You're like, oh, people are going to be like, ah. Right? But make yourself foolish. Because I found that Laughter and community moments happen when one person is willing to be humiliated. Does that make sense? Or look like the fool or not be put together. And all of a sudden, the people start eating together. What was it the other day? I think this is an act of service. Like someone... Was it? Oh, it was Mark. <laughs> Never mind. I didn't ask. It wasn't Mark. It wasn't Mark. We had, we had pizza, right? You, ha you have this awesome family-style, like, food in the middle of the table. And people will just stare at it for minutes, but it seems like hours because we're being polite, right? Or even, like, our church potluck. We'll just look at it. And it's like, come on. But it takes someone being like, shoot, I'm hungry. Right? And once that person breaks the ice, everyone comes in. Right? So I've been like, in order to wash people's feet, I'm going to be the first one in line to take that food. Right? <laughs> um, what does it look like to lay ourselves down in service, to make connections, right? To, to create spaces of hospitality, to let family meals happen, whatever context that you're in. I think that's another way we can see following Jesus' command to wash one another's feet. So being a part of accountability and one another's, you know, discipleship moments or cleansing moments, that's one. Two, being a part of creating meals, creating spaces where people can have community and to eat um, that's another. And then just ways that we serve people, right? People expect something 
of us because of our position, because of our status. You know, I grew up in the Korean church where it's like, oh, moksanim, moksanim, right? Pastor, pastor, right? And the pastor was the first to eat, the pastor was the first to sit down, the pastor had all these privileges. Maybe in American churches, it's like the pastor has their parking spot, the pastor has their choice of office. When we first came here to renew, I was like, I don't want a parking spot. I still don't have an office, right? Like, let make, let's flatten everything out. Like, it's not, about, it's not about our positions, right? And lording over people, like fighting for respect all the time and saying, who's the greatest and jockeying for position. I know when you're, I've been at work, like at UW Medical Center, like it's the work drama, right? They're not doing any work. They're always like at the water cooler, visiting with people. I was the one always visiting. I'm doing all the work. I'm doing all the work. Those people, right? There's drama everywhere. What does it look like for us to let go and consider the other more than ourselves? Amen. How can that change our workplaces? our homes and families, right? Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that you are a leader, a Jesus, a God, a Savior, uh, who is willing to humble himself, lower himself for our sake. Thank you for the people in our lives who served us and gave us a picture and model of what it could look like uh, to live the servant life. Help us, show us practical ways that we can wash one another's feet in this church, um, but also as we go from this place and live our daily lives. What does it mean to wash one another's feet? In Jesus' name, amen.